So as John read for you this passage, you can see that we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And we're going to talk about how prayer is the foundation for discipleship. Disciple is someone who decides to follow Jesus Christ, is someone who takes the name of Christian. And it's very important that we understand that one of the foundations of this following of Christ is prayer. So that's why when we find the very first disciples in the very first church, in the very first days of the church's existence, what are they doing together? Well, what they're doing is that they're praying. They are together, the main apostles and the women were together with them and the family of Jesus and they were constantly in prayer. And it shows from the very beginning how important prayer was to their life and to their way of, of living. And it would become, it's woven into everything that they do. Prayer was not something that was just a perfunctory, like we just give a prayer, uh, you know, but before the blessing or whatever, you know. I mean, to put it this way, how many times do you sing the national anthem in your life? Probably just at those times right before ball games, right? Well, for some people, prayer is like that. They only pray when it's before a meal or when it's at the beginning of something or when it's at the end of something. But these followers of Jesus, they were together praying constantly. And I would say, of course, they are together praying constantly because that is what Jesus taught them and showed them to do. So this morning, as we try to emphasize prayer in the life of our community of Christians, of disciples, of followers of Christ, I wanted us to look at the prayer life of Jesus. Because Jesus, by his example and by his teaching, he showed his disciples how important that prayer was. In other words, he modeled for them what a life of prayer looks like. And then he also taught them and explained to them what prayer is. So let's take a look at those two things, first of all, as we dive in this morning. Um, to be a disciple of Jesus meant that you watched his life and you tried to emulate and, and model and do everything that he did. And Jesus himself, even though he was the son of God, he was fully God and fully man, he spent a lot of time in prayer. Just listen to a sampling of these verses from the, from the Gospels. It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And lest we think this was maybe a one-time event, Luke goes on to record in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew from everything and went to pray. And in Luke chapter 6, it says, one of those days, Jesus went on a mountainside to pray, and he spent the entire night praying to God. This is what Jesus modeled in his life for his disciples to follow. And I say model because listen to this verse. In Luke chapter 9, 18, it says Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. So they had an opportunity to see firsthand the kind of life that Jesus wanted them to live. And that was a life that was constantly connected to God the Father through prayer. And Jesus often took his disciples with him to pray as well. He took Peter, James, and John with him up on the mountain later on in Luke chapter 9 to pray. And where they had that vision of his transfiguration. And all throughout Jesus' life, right up until his very last night on earth, what do we find Jesus doing? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane with a few of his disciples spending those hours in prayer. If we say that we are a follower of Christ, we are a Christian, we are a disciple we must be people of prayer, and it must be constant and often. And we will never find time to pray, but rather we must make time. I don't know if anybody here has found any extra time lately. If you have, can you share some with me? 
I mean, you love it when you find some extra change in your pocket, but I've never yet found a couple extra hours in the day. I would love to find that sometime. You will never find the time. You will never find the time. Was Jesus a busy man? Oh, yeah, Jesus was healing. He was teaching. He had places to go. He had people to see. Sometimes the crowds are looking for him. They're like, where is he? I don't know. He's off by himself praying, (laughs) you know, or he's in the back of the boat asleep. I mean, Jesus made the time to refresh himself, to be in connection with God, to be in connection with his Father. And not so much, again, because Jesus himself needed it, because he wanted to model what we need in this life if we're going to survive. And friends, we need to pray and we need more prayer. Well, not only that did Jesus model it, but he taught it. For his disciples came to him. Remember famously in Luke chapter 11, verses 1, and they said, uh, listen, Jesus, um, let me find that verse here. They said, uh, will you teach us to pray? Because John is teaching his disciples how to pray. And we thought it would be good if you taught us. We've been watching you pray. Can you teach us how we should pray? In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus says this. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. By the way, that's it. Did you notice there were some words missing? What Christians have done is they've come along and they've added things to it to make it this really wonderful uh, prayer that we can use. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Those are all very worthy and very good prayers to kind of take this and set it into a, a liturgical setting where we can use it in worship and in our personal life. But I wanted you to notice that in its most basic original form, it's very simple, isn't it? And I believe Jesus is teaching us that prayer can be very simple. And in fact, I was looking at this through a different lens this week, and I thought, you know, if we looked at this prayer as teaching us about the goodness of God, li- listen to how this, prayer, how this prayer reveals to us the goodness of God. Father, hallowed or holy is your name. In other words, God is good. Your kingdom come. You desire for everything to be good. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what's good. Forgive us of our sins. Make us into people that are good and help us to forgive others, which is a good thing to do. And lead us not into temptation. Keep us away from everything that's bad. That's how simple prayer is. Lord, you are good. You want everything to be good. Give us what is good. Make me good. Help me to be good to others and don't lead me anywhere bad. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Jesus is teaching us that prayer is direct It is simple, and it teaches us about the heart of God, that God loves us, that God is good, and these are the desires of God. And for a lot of Christians who have difficulty praying, this is still good for us to remember Jesus' example today because our prayers don't need to be long. They can be simple. They don't need to be full of every kind of theology. They can be very simple and direct prayers to God. In fact, as we said last week, it's good to pray the Scripture, right? So you can pray this prayer. That's why this prayer has been used. If you know nothing else about how to pray, just start praying this prayer every day. And I believe your life will be transformed. But even if it's not, that's what you need to do because that's what a follower of Christ does. A disciple of Christ is one who prays constantly. So just take the Lord's Prayer and say, thank you, God, that you gave me words even when I don't know what to pray. And let me just pray the Lord's Prayer. And you know how important and how valuable it is when we memorize those things and when they get into our head. Because when all else fails, and I've seen so many people near the end of their life who can't remember anything else. But they remember the Lord's Prayer. And those words come from their lips. And they're able to pray to God. 
Jesus also taught about prayer in a parable that's found in Luke chapter 18. And many of you will remember this parable. He said that two people went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like these other people, these robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what Jesus is teaching us is that prayer is not for other people. It's for God. And it doesn't have to be with fancy words. Oh, how many times do we hear people say, I, I can't pray. You know, I, I don't know the right words to pray. It doesn't need to be with fancy words. In fact, this prayer was also taken and turned into a liturgical prayer for the early church. How many of you knew that? That this prayer is called the Jesus prayer. And how it got changed is this. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there were ancient mystics and monks and nuns who would tell their followers to pray this prayer maybe 100 times a day or 200 times a week. But just pray, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's even simpler, isn't it? And if you don't have the words to pray, I invite you to take the Jesus prayer and to begin praying that in your life. Just even when you don't have time to do anything else, you can stop and say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It connects us to the heart of God. You see, without prayer, we're not connected to the source of all life. We're not connected to Jesus Christ. We, 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 we feel like we're that branch that's disconnected. Prayer is just so essential to our lives as Christians that Paul goes on to tell all of us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, that you should pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all types of prayers and all types of requests. So you can pray about anything. I hope that's a bit of good news for someone this morning. Because sometimes we've been told that we shouldn't pray about certain things because God doesn't really care about that. And I'm here to tell you God does care about it. For if God cares about every sparrow that falls to the ground, I'm sorry to the bird lovers, I'm not a bird lover. I, I probably don't care as much about every sparrow that falls to the ground. But God does. And if he cares about the number of hairs that are on our head for crying out loud, what more meaningless statistic is there than that? If we were to say, okay, here's the number of hairs on everyone's head this morning. Would you like to find your name and how many hairs you have? God cares about everything. Therefore, he cares about football games. He cares about injuries. He cares about proms and dances and jobs and dates and all kinds of things. You know, and, and why do we use that to keep us from praying to God? Because a child would just pray about anything, right? A child would just pray and we should just pray. It's just talking to God. You don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to stand up like the Pharisee. In fact, if you do that, it's probably getting you further away from what God wants. But just even if you stand at a distance or you get off by yourself or you get together with a few friends and you just begin to talk to God, talk to God, then you're living that life of prayer. And that life of prayer is essential to being a disciple, to being a follower of Christ. That's why we're emphasizing prayer and we want to do that even this year because we're in such a crucial time in the life of our church and in our community. That we're calling people to pray. You know, Tabernacle, our Saturday night service, began as a prayer service. And we're recapturing some of that this year. By every first Saturday of the month, there's not going to be a message. We're just going to have communion and pray together. So if you're looking for extra times of prayer, come to Tabernacle. There's people that are meeting during the service now in the conference room that are praying. You can take advantage of that opportunity to pray. And I challenge every single person here, whatever group you're a part of, to recapture prayer, would you? 
Because how many times do we just, let's pray at the beginning real quick, get on to what we're doing, and let's pray at the end, you know? If you've got a small group, if you've got a Bible study, if you've got a class, if there's somewhere you're at where you can call that group of people around you to say, hey, let's pray together, then do it. Remember those times. Remember, any of you, can I get a witness? Anybody have a good prayer time they remember that was rich and deep that you had with other people, right? It's time to recapture that. It's time to reclaim that. It's time to make this place, Trinity Covenant Church, a place of prayer again. Jesus could have said anything about God's temple he wanted to when he drove the, the, the merchants out. But he said, my house should be a house of prayer. He said, that's what this place is supposed to be. First and foremost. First and foremost in the disciples' life. And prayer is not just speaking to God, but it's also listening to God. And that's why we need time and space because we need to cultivate that ability to listen to God. For it's that listening to God that is actually what allows us to be Christians in the first place, right? Because you cannot be a Christian unless you hear the voice of God, right? You understand what I'm saying? Because how did Jesus have these disciples follow him? Well, he said, come, follow me. And they spent time listening to his voice every day. And that's how they became disciples. Is it really any different for us today? Well, yes and no. It's different in the sense that we weren't like them in living with Jesus here on this earth. But it's not different in the sense that we need to hear the voice of God in order to follow Jesus. We need to hear Jesus say, come, follow me. And if you haven't heard the voice of God, then you can't really follow Christ. I mean, you can study Christ, right? If you haven't yet heard the voice of God, you can study this. You can read it. You can see what Jesus did. You can model your life, and you would be following his teachings. But you wouldn't really be following him. You catch what I'm saying? There's a lot of Christians who are following the teachings of Christ, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. For you can't have a relationship unless there's communication, unless you first hear the voice of God. See, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus in the church, but do you know Jesus? Let me say that again. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? When was the last time he spoke to you? And you knew that it was the voice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, speaking to you. For many of us who are truly followers of Christ, we remember how it came to us, right? Think back for a moment. The word of God, the voice of God comes to us through the Bible. Do you remember a time when you were reading the Bible and suddenly the words came alive and suddenly there was something about, <coughs> excuse me, something about those verses that, that just caused your spirit to sing? And he said, I'm not just reading something. I'm reading the words of God. And God was speaking to you. Or maybe there was a person in your life. And as that person was speaking to you, you know, somehow those words seemed to have an unearthly power. They seemed to like penetrate right into your soul. And you're like, man, this is not just a person speaking to me. This is the voice of God speaking to me. Or maybe you've been outside and you've seen the beauty of God's creation. And your spirit has soared into kind of a transcendent place. Or maybe just inside your spirit, you feel this, this nudging, this idea, uh, you know, something moves inside of you. And I want to tell you that that is the voice of God that is speaking inside of you. And if we want to be people of prayer, then we need to learn to discern and trust the voice of God inside of us. Let me say that again. We need to learn to discern and to trust the voice of God inside of us, okay? Because we, we're full of our own thoughts, and we're full of all of the things that get said in the world. There's lots of messages that roll around in our head. 
But the Holy Spirit of God, here's the key, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you've received Jesus Christ. And that's the voice of God that is there to help you sort through all of that and discern and say, this is what God is telling you. With the help of scripture, with the help of other Christians, if we spend time doing this, we can discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Oh, how many Christians have I met who say they don't know how to hear the voice of God? And I would say, then you're not following Christ because you're not spending time in prayer because prayer is not just talking to God, but it's listening to God. And we need to spend time both talking and listening to God. And I believe the church today, people who want to follow Christ, whoever they are, they desperately need to be able to discern and to trust the voice of God inside of them. So as you're on this journey, you might get a nudge inside of you. And you might say, oh, I feel like God's, God's telling me to do this or calling me to do this. Well, of course God's not going to tell you to do something stupid, okay? Like go out and uh, kill a monkey. You know, I don't, or maybe he would. I shouldn't say that. I don't know. But, you know, God's not going to tell us to, to do things that are against his word, Right? God's not going to tell us to do that. We can check that out pretty easily. And a lot of times the voices we get or the nudges we get from God are just, we know that they're good things, right? <clears throat> I mean, if God tells you to pray for someone, how can that not be right? If God tells you to help someone or love someone, how can that not be right? But his voice might say, I want you to go and I want you to help Dave. I'm like, okay, is that just my idea or is that God's? Well, I got to trust. And when I step in faith, how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Unless we hear the word of God through the Bible, through other people, through nature, through the Holy Spirit, we cannot have faith. And if we don't have faith, we can't follow God, we can't please God, we can't do anything. So learn to trust. Trust the Holy Spirit inside of you. I close with this example. This example is found right after the passage that John read for us in Acts chapter 1. So as they're constantly meeting together in prayer, the disciples and the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his family, okay, they, they, they're not just sitting there, you know, praying. They're getting ready to make a decision. They say, we need to make a decision. Peter stands up among them. He says, look, Judas betrayed Jesus, okay? We need to find someone to take his place. So they spend time in prayer, and they develop qualifications, and they say, these are two people that we think would meet the qualifications. These are two people that we think would be good. And so they pray into that, and they say, God, show us who you have chosen. God, only you know the hearts of these people. Show us the one you have chosen. And to get God's confirmation, to get his final word, you know what they do? They roll the dice. Come on, somebody laugh. That's funny. They roll the dice. All right? Now, come on. They cast lots. Do you know what casting lots is? It's like dice. I mean, we don't know exactly what the lots were, and maybe they changed over the years, but they somehow were some thing that you rolled. I mean, maybe they were bones and sticks. Maybe that seems more spiritual, right? You know, they roll the bones, you know, and, and whatever the bones say. I don't know what they rolled. They call dice the bones too, don't they? I just thought of that. They roll the bones. I don't know. I'm not a dice player. I played Yahtzee, but that, I'll repent of that later. So they roll the dice, and that's how they're going to decide. I mean, that's their confirmation? Uh, can you imagine if we did that today? <laughs> how funny would that be? We go, we're, we're about a year from now, and we've got this person we think is going to be the next senior pastor of Trinity. But we want to make sure. So Tim DeVal, would you bring out the holy dice? And Tim comes out with the holy dice, and he's like, we're going to find out what the Lord says right here. And he rolls the dice, and we're like, Tim, what does the dice say? Tim would probably say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, we got to decide ahead of time which numbers mean what, right? And I, I just find this so funny and so interesting that they would do this. And then I got to thinking, well, why don't we do that today? 
You know, because it, just because it would seem funnier. Or what, what's the reason why that was such a prominent way of discerning God's will up until that point? Well, I believe this is the reason, okay? Hang on to this. They had not yet at this particular moment received the Holy Spirit. And so all throughout their history, from the time began for the Jews and the Israelites, the Holy Spirit was not something that dwelled and lived in each one of them. So as they sought God's will and they sought his direction, they needed that confirmation that God would provide in various forms and in various ways through tangible signs in this world. And one of the trusted, tried and true ways was we were going to roll those bones. We were going to cast the lots. And God would use that to tell us what, confirm what his will and what his direction is. And then on the day of Pentecost, just a few days later, the Holy Spirit comes in power. And fills each and every single one of them. And suddenly everyone who believes, everyone who hears the voice of Jesus, who says, yes, Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my life, receives the Holy Spirit. And now you have the Spirit of God inside of you. That you must learn to discern the voice and to trust the voice. So that you no longer need lots or dice or a fleece or even a sign in the sky. Not to say that God might not use any of those because he's a wonderful God and he has a sense of humor and he can do whatever he wants. But for the most part, God said, I am speaking into your spirit. Learn to discern my voice. Learn to trust me. So that we find these same disciples, right, later on when they have to make a decision that Paul asked them to make a decision about the Gentiles, they come out of their deliberations and they say, they don't say we cast the dice and it came up eight. <laughs> they say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They were learning to trust and discern the voice of God as it was speaking to their minds and their hearts and their spirit. And that's what I want to invite each and every one of us to do as we enter into a life of prayer, a life of communication with God.